target. Maximum firepower. Ice for impact! Welcome to the Brace for Impact podcast, where we have show notes today. We do have show notes today. Yes, and we are uh, doing a recording today. Obviously, there's a ton to talk about with the AMG news this week. We had a new YouTube video go up uh, like a week ago. Um, so we're going to try to cover all of that and, and get through that content for you guys. So we'll kick things off with our first segment, which is the match review. And we played a game, uh, Black March versus Camino Defense Force. What did you think of this game? This game was really fun. Mm. I really liked this match. It, it was meant to be fun. It, I built the list in a way that, you know, used, like, rebel ships that I liked and rebel squadrons that I painted. So it wasn't, like, try, super try-hard mm. in trying to, to smash. But it, it performed pretty well, I think. Uh, I mean, Sato is just an amazing, amazingly fun rebel commander. Yeah, if there's one thing that Sato is, it's definitely fun. It's, I think I, on one shot, I rolled like eight blue dice or eight black dice uh, with re-rolls. That's fucking Yeah, black dice are killer, man. Um, you mentioned in the show notes here, OPSEC. Yes. What are you talking about? So... Just uh, securing the objective and how doing that can win you games. Like, at the start of round one, you, you kind of cluster your forces a little bit. And then once I make my move, you immediately turn your acclimators away from the objective. And you're like, these are the engagement ships, these two uh, CR-70s. All they're going to do is just drift around the volatile deposits and bank points hmm. and points and points and points every round points yeah and so while i'm using i'd say 90 percent of my fleet to kill two acclimators you are just banking points with the cr-70s and taking down what you can with acclimators and then that's that's it that's what changed the game in my opinion, because you got what 170 points of objective or victory points. I did get a lot of victory points um, off of this objective for sure. And the concern that I had was that, um, you know, my acclimators can't like they can't, they can't beat the MC75 that well, you know. And you could see that it basically. You know, trades. Yeah, two acclimators for an MC-75. Both of them for the MC-75 basically get traded away. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> I was kind of relying on them to draw your fire uh, to let the CR-70s kind of do their thing off to the side. Yeah. So in, in a lot of matches, I try to have two different uh, subgroups of my list of like, okay, this group of, of things is doing one thing. This group of things is doing another thing. Um, I think sometimes people try to focus maybe all of their fleet's attention on one thing, and um, it can be tricky, especially with larger base ships, uh, to get everything kind of all together, and then they start ramming into each other and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What did you think of the fighters in this um, in this game? We both brought some squadrons. We both brought a lot of squadrons. Yeah. I think the new changes to Intel means that if you're making a fleet in Armada, you must have at least 50 points of squadrons. Yeah. You just can't cut it anymore with going all ships. It just can't work. Mm. And I know that might be a hot take for some people, but the effectiveness of Republic squadrons is... It needs an answer. You can't just have 400 points of ships with upgrades and then you run into a whole slew of Republic squadrons with Nabuta B and lose. And you lose hard. Yeah. You lose harder than you've ever lost before. Republic squadrons are 
the standard now, I think, for what you need to be concerned with when building a list and going to play a game. Yeah. Like, how do I deal with, you know, 3v19 Plo and Lumi, right? 3v19 Plo and Lumi, and look, there's Nubu to B. So all the V19s, now they just say, deal one damage to a ship when you activate. Right. They'll always do a damage, because they roll like a black die. With a reroll. With a reroll. So they'll do a damage to your ship. And it... You you just can't can't go squadronless anymore. Right. Which I think is fine. I really like the squadron aspect of the game. Because uh, before the intel change, you either take all squadrons or not. Yeah. Because if you have token squadrons, they're ignored and they're alive at the end of the game when your ship is destroyed. Now, when you have 50 points of squadrons, they have to cut through that. Like, intel giving grit is honestly is just not as good as intel giving heavy. Right. Obviously, yeah. Obviously. And I mean, I think it makes the game better that way because if you bring token squadrons at the end of the game, they're all dead, which is what you want. Right, you want them to sacrifice their life for Pakistan. Yeah, for Pakistan. Yeah. You want them to give their lives, sacrifice their lives. If at the end of the game, all of your squadrons are dead and you feel sad about that, count up how many shots from ARC-170s or V-19s it took to kill those token squadrons. Right. That's how many shit damage you're mitigating by bringing them. Exactly. You put in the show notes, going right when you should go left. All right. What I'm specifically talking about is the early part of this match 14, where my MC-75 is in a situation. I have a debris field right in front of me. Mm -hmm. I can cut left and take the objectives, or I can go right, which is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because... The way your acclimators are positioned at around 24 minutes in the video, you have them kind of off kilter. You've got one more forward and one more back. Mm -hmm. The way my MC-75 is positioned, if I turn right the way I do in the video, I double arc the front one, but I run right into the front arc of the second one. Mm -hmm. That's why I died. Mm -hmm. And I get no objective. Yeah, but if I cut left, I still hit the debris field, obviously. But you can't get both guns on target because, I mean, acclimators are shit at turning. So you'd either run into your your other acclimator, yeah, which you probably wouldn't do. So you'd either slow down, and then it's not a, as much a problem. Right. I'm not taking two acclimator shots per per turn. I get objective points. Maybe kill one of the CR seventies. Maybe kill the other one. And then I still have a good angle on the front activator. Yeah, the MC-75 has so many angles that are good angles for it. Yeah. Right. If you're in the side arc, that's great. If you're in the front arc, that's also great. If you're in both, you die. (laughs) You fucking die. Yeah. So I think I took a wrong turn in thirsting for a double arc on the activator's front arc when I could have just done the same thing on the other side while also getting objective points. Yeah. So you cut right, take out an acclimator, trade one for one on the other acclimator. Yep. Then it kind of boils down to a couple CR-70s, a flotilla, and a hammerhead. Or, I'm sorry, no, no, a, flotilla, a flotilla and a CR-90. I think I get like one objective point, and then it's over. Nothing else happens significantly in the game. It was a really good game. Volatile, I think, is that the first time we've played Volatile Deposits? It might be, yeah. That's a cool objective. Definitely is. I I enjoy it a lot. I think if you, um, if someone picks it and they don't know what the goal of the objective is, uh, you can get an insane amount of points. If, you know, if they place the asteroid, like, in the center and not way out in, in right field like I did, then you can just bully them off of the obstacles and, and get a shitload yeah, shitload of objective points. Yeah, I think you were the one who placed these objectives kind of in the corners. Yeah, because obstacles here. I was like, uh, I can't decide 
where I'm going to be. I can't I can't control the board. So I'm just going to remove that objective from the game. Right. So now you only have two, so your maximum amount of points is like less 200. Yeah. Which is still a fucking lot. Yeah. But that was my thinking. I probably should have brought it closer to me so that while I was moving forward, I was getting some objective points. Yeah. But Yeah, fun match. Good game. It was fun. You ready to talk about some news? I'm ready to talk about some fucking news. I'm so hyped for these Wave 11 ships. Not just for the ships, but also for the the car, the upgrade cards and some of the implication that they bring. The implication? The impl- because of the implication, man. <laughs> okay, well, do you want to roll into the Providence first? I do. I really want to talk about the Providence. I cannot comprehend how amazing just the model of Providence looks. Yeah, it's freaking baller. It's so detailed. It's another one of those ships that's just so incredibly detailed, it's like unnecessarily detailed. Mm. And the paint job and the decals, it's all amazing. Um, Barring that, it follows a trend we've been seeing with the Clone Wars ships, which is one ship, two commanders. Mm. So we've got Admiral Trench and General Grievous. Iconic so, commanders. Iconic commanders. Grievous is, I think, really good. Really, really good. But not for the reason you think. Uh, essentially, when a friendly ship or squadron is destroyed, choose one friendly ship or unique squadron at distance 1 to 5. You're destroyed ship or squadron. If you do, the chosen ship or unique squadron can either ready one of its defense tokens or recover one of its discarded defense tokens and then exhaust that token. That's is, really good. Why is it good? Uh, well. It helps with fighter screens for your big carrier ship. Hmm. So if they're trying to punch through and get to your hull and your Providence with your your ARC-170s, if your Providence has already taken some hits, you've already used a brace because it's got a brace, redirect, contain, salvo, then you can make it last longer without burning the brace. Because you're refreshing it by because you're refreshing it by sacrificing the vulture droids. So if they do want to do a bombing run on your Providence, they got to cut through your vultures and your tokens back. I think it gives you two options. One is if the Providence is relatively safe, right, a little bit hanging back, mm-hmm. you can more liberally spend your defense tokens where you would normally be thinking about saving them for when they're more important. Yeah, because you're like, well, vultures are going to die near me. Right, that is happening. So I mean, it's a distance one to five. Right, like, so that's, that's basically huge, everywhere. Right, yeah. that's like boosty comms range. So, like, I just bring like ten vulture droids, and I'm like, well, as they die, like, I really want to refresh ten tokens throughout this game, right? So maybe I'm gonna spend my salvo. Uh, you know, a, maybe an arc gets near me, and I salvo it back, right? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's fine. It's gonna refresh, right? Like, <clears throat> but also another benefit General Grievous has is he's twenty points. Very cheap. Uh, very cheap. I think this that's the the baseline for for uh, commanders is twenty points. They don't really go lower than you that. Don't get commanders lower than twenty points because a lot of the problem I've had is I want to run a lot of ships, but once you get to a certain point, you can't really add anymore. Yeah, and so having Grievous at twenty instead of thirty means I can add an eighth vulture. Yep. You know, it's it's not bad. Um, let's talk about the second commander, Admiral Trench. <laughs> Don't ever do that much. <laughs> so, he starts with, he's 36 points. Yeah, he's expensive. Uh, he's as expensive as Vader. Mm-hmm. So, just take that with what you will. Yeah, he starts with four command dials. And at the start of each ship phase, you may reveal and discard one command dial from this card, kind of like Thrawn. If you do, at the end of the round, when a friendly ship spends only a matching command token to resolve a command, that ship resolves that command as if it had spent a dial and token of the same type instead. 
Boom. It's nuts. He's insane. Four out four rounds of the game. So you spend round one and two banking all your tokens. Providence has, you know, command three. Uh, is okay. Okay, so like, it's so, so like, good. You're talking about like munitions resupply the whole fleet, right? And On then, turn one, yeah, and then right? bank a token, and then bank a nav token, right? And, and then like, choice, like... <laughs> yeah, and then Admiral Trench is just one of those commanders that makes your your ships more effective, uh -huh. much better, way better than even Thrawn. I mean, there is the restriction that you need the command token. I mean, Thrawn doesn't care about command tokens; he just gives you the dial, right? But you discard that command token, and you get the dial and the token. Mm -hmm. It's in, it's incredibly good. Requires planning and forethought into the future rounds. Right? You need to know what you're doing every round of the game at the beginning of the game. Yeah, kinda. If you want, you gotta have your tokens, and then reveal the matching dial, and then spend them, and then you gotta have tokens for the next round, right? Like, yeah, but like. Let's say I've got double providence mm -hmm. and like a hard sell. Mm -hmm. Hard sell, Hondo, Compsnet. Yeah. They're going to have tokens. They're going to have the fucking token. So I just think this is so amazingly good. Before we go on, let's talk about actually the platform of the Providence class Dreadmod. Providence class carrier. Okay. So it's got home one arcs, which is essentially corner to corner. Mm -hmm. uh, the Dreadnought has a salvo of red, blue, black, which is awesome. Side arcs of. So does, so does the carrier. So does the carrier. It's got triple red, blue, and double black on the sides. And then uh, minus one red on the front also. Wait, what? Yeah, so it's, it's got two red, a blue, and two black on the front for the dreadnought. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the the carrier swaps out a red for a blue on the side. So it's got two, two, and two on and the side. And then on the front, it's the same. Yeah. So basically, in terms of guns, like you're just one less red on the side, and instead it's a blue. Yeah, but I mean. It's such a cool ship. I love how good the arcs are and on all the Separatist ships. They're solid. They're so amazing. Yeah, that's true. I got no funky, like, ISD arcs on my ships. It's, it feels so good. Providence Dreadnought comes with uh, officer, gunnery teams, offensive retrofit, uh, ordnance, ion, and double turbo laser for 105 points. Yeah. Double turbo laser. That's strong. Fucking amazing. Three command, four squadron, four engineering. This is just like the flagship's flagship. Yeah. It's so good. It's so amazing. This is just going to do everything you want. And double, double. Oh, wait. Is, does the double. Dreadnought have. The Dreadnought just has one blue anti squadron. So not, not really good for, for squadron. But the carrier has double black, which is pretty good. And it's got fleet command and defensive retrofit on the carrier. And it doesn't have double turbo laser. So obviously the carrier is your squadron pusher. Yeah. But also more of a like a, a centerpiece of a fleet where you know it's got the option of a real fleet command. It's got, you know, less offensive capability. So it's hanging back and like, you know. Maybe you've got um, more invested in uh, your squadron ball and that kind of stuff. Whereas the dreadnought is going to run in and uh, try to murder. I think I think running two of these is like that's just a good idea. You're on one carrier, one dreadnought. This, yeah, they're good. Open your wallets, everyone. Buy two. What about some of these other cards in here? Okay, so the next one I got on the list is. Shumai. Okay. After deploying fleets, you may place two non-consecutive round tokens on this card. You can choose. That's amazing. Uh, during each round, matching one of those tokens while attacking the ship, you may re-roll up to three dice. 
four points. Basically, cheap as fuck. So good. It's uh, three round, dice is a lot. Round three and five, right? How many times do you whiff more than three die? Often. often. I mean, I often whiff all my dice. But... Yeah, but I mean, God, that's so good. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll choose rounds two and two and four. Thank you. That's easy. Two and four every time. Two? Two. No, three and five. But go ahead. I want to attack. I want to attack. That's the plan. Mm. She's amazing. It's it's like I think Shumai is like a B card. Okay, she's a B for sure. But if you want to see some S class shittery right here, it's Ti ninety nine. While friendly unactivated squadron is at distance one to three, it gains counter three, or if it has the printed counter keyword, it gains an additional counter one. After it performs a counterattack, toggle its activation slider to activated side. Four points. So it gives up its activation to counter. Counter three. But if it's already activated, it can still counter. No. What? No. After it performs a counter, so like... It's activated. It can't move and shoot, but it can still counter. If like three things shoot it, it counter three, counter three, counter three. No. Yes. While a friendly unactivated squad. Oh. So you can counter once with counter three. Mm, well, that's good. That's so good. Yeah. Like if you've got hella vultures, that's, that's, that's like they're activated by AI. Right. I mean, you don't get blue, black, black, but I mean, it's something. Right. It's solid. And you get to choose whether or not to do it. It's not forced on you. It's only four points. Look, put this on a hard cell transport. They got double officer, PI-99, and then you're good. It's it's um it's interesting because like sometimes your vultures die doing nothing. Exactly. And this makes sure that they do something. And like if, if they have a Jedi roll up on you and it's got triple hits and you're like, oh, my vulture is dead, PI-99 is like, no, you can counter three. Yeah. Counter three, just, just do it. Just activated it, and, and it's going to die anyway. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, Tikus is weird. Why? He's, he's just a weird card. Uh, he says, when you reveal a command, you may place a matching command token on this card. If you do, gain a command token of your choice. During the command phase, if you have a command token on this card, you must choose that command on each command dial that is to be assigned to you Show those dials to your opponent, then discard that command. Token. He's getting something now and but paying for it later. For it later. Yeah. So he is like, uh, and it's two points. I don't know if I said that, but he essentially is like an informant where he gives you a benefit and then tells your opponent what you're doing. Right. It doesn't matter if you have a stack and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just get an engineering command. I don't have engineering commands on my on my three stack, so it doesn't matter. No, now you're telling your opponent you don't have engineering commands. Right. So they know uh, you're probably not going to get that uh, that ECM back. You're, right. you're not going to refresh your, your Commander Wolf or whatever. Right. It will tell your opponent what's on your stack, for sure. I don't know. He's, but what he's, about like on a one-command ship? It seems really good. Right, he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm concentrating now. I get the reroll as well, and next turn I'm concentrating again." <laughs> you know, like, no big deal. I guess that is really good. I guess for lower command ships, yeah, or ships where you, you fucking know what you're gonna do, right? Like, hey, this is this is my Providence carrier, and I've got a dozen squadrons to activate. Guess what? It's doing every round. Yeah. Squadron. I don't care that you know. Try and stop me now. I'm activating an extra squadron every turn. For two points. That is really good. Yeah. Him and expanded hangar bay, and suddenly you've got like six, six activation Providence carrier. Really good. That is really good. Really, really good. Or, you know, they see him on there and they assume what you're going to do, but you, you mix it up and you don't use him, right? Like mm-hmm. that could be an option as well. All right. We've got the last card here for the invisible hand that's been spoiled, which is the title. This is the best. This is the best shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Why? It's, well, first off, it gives you deployment advantage. So, while deploying fleets, 
if you are in the play area. So Invisible Hand has to be you know, deployed already. When you would deploy a squadron with Swarm, you may set that squadron aside next to your ship card instead. So you place two vultures for deployment, and then they get set aside. Mm-hmm. You may set aside up to five squadrons this way. And then squadron command, for each squadron you would activate with this command, you may place one of your set-aside squadrons within distance three. It cannot move this activation. And if it has AI, increase its AI value by one. So this card is a better version of rapid launch phase. Yes. It's better in the fact that it preserves your activation or your deployment advantage, yes. whereas rapid launch base damages yes. your, active, your deployment advantage. And then also, when you deploy, your ships do more damage than normal. Your squadrons do more damage right. than normal. Yeah. yeah, because if they have AI, increase their AI by one. Right. But activating them gives them AI. So right. they instead of your vultures attacking with three dice, now they're attacking with four dice. Right. It's, it's so amazing. And it's a title card, so it's not taking up the offensive retrofit slot, which means you can have rapid launch phase as well. Yep. And load up nine squadrons. Yep. You can in have invisible them. hand. And then invisible hand them every turn. Yep. You're just slinging vultures and tri fighters downfield. The, the distance that you can hit with invisible hand is massive. You can hit. Into long range. Can Invisible Hand take the upgrade that lets it activate squadrons after it moves? The Officer Flight Commander? Yeah, it has the Officer slot. So yes. It's insane. The range is ridiculous. Invisible Hand goes speed 3. Uses Flight Commander to activate squadrons at the end of its activation. Mm -hmm. So then you're slinging Tri-Fighters and Vultures at... Distance 3. Medium, which is medium range. And then they get to attack at distance one, which is beyond medium range. Mm-hmm. So if you do five vultures, you're slinging five red dice at such a, a massive dif- distance, you, you can hit anything. That's, that's not even saying like the amount of damage uh, like five loaded up tri-fighters would do to any squadron anywhere on the board. There's no escape. It's you drop five tri fighters and they roll five die of hell, all the colors. Because yeah. tri fighters, at least the name ones, have uh, red, blue, black. So you're rolling two black, one blue, and a red. Well, don't they get plus one AI? Yeah, so. well, they roll red, blue, black natively. Yeah. Then AI one, so black. So it would be actually three black. Three black. <laughs> a blue and a red. A blue and a red. So, okay. Uh, show me a squadron that can take that. Nothing. It's nine points. It is expensive. It is expensive, but I'm going to have that in goddamn every single list. It's everything that I want to do. Uh, so we're going to go to the Venator now. Ooh. So we talk some Republic stuff. All right. All right. So the Venator 2, very interesting ship. Uh, you know, it's got Star Destroyer arcs. Um, but not as powerful as like an ISD, like following the same trend that the acclimators do with the victory. Where right. It's like it's like one die weaker, right on the front. You know, well, two on the front weaker. Two on the front weaker. Ooh. So ISD two is eight. Right? Yeah. So it has less of its investment into guns, but more of its investment into squadron firepower. Yeah. And one of the things I thought about a lot with the Venator two was like. Hey man, like, yeah, it can't roll its front arc. If it was just rolling its front arc against an ISD, like, it would lose that fight, right? It has a couple less hull, a couple less die. You know, it's got kind of the same shields, but the fact is, it can activate five squadrons. And some of these cards really make those squadrons quite powerful. Dude, five squad, that's an SSD's amount of squadrons. Like, nothing activates five squadrons. Nothing. Yeah, that's true. Um, and rapid launch base gets better with your higher squadron value, right? Because you can activate however many you can activate and dump that That's many. True. So We're talking can... about rapid launch base a lot. <laughs> I think that card is great. It's getting really insane. It's getting insane. really insane. Um, so we'll start with Luminara, which is one of the commanders that comes with the Venator. Uh, Luminara is when a friendly ship or unique squadron is defending after the spend defense token step. 
If it spent fewer than two defense tokens, it can ready one that it did not spend or choose a nearby friendly ship at distance one to five and ready one of that ship's defense tokens. This is nuts. Right? Oh, it's 25 points. Yeah, it's not that expensive. It's pretty cheap. It's pretty cheap, yeah. Because I think 26 points were the cost of the Bale and Obi-Wan, right? Is it? I thought they were 30. No, no, I think they're 26. Um, anyway, really cool because your unique squadrons can be not spending the defense tokens to refresh their ship nearby and vice versa. You know? 28. 28. Okay, so a little bit cheaper. Luminara also, like, there's just so much, there's so much. Um, well, let me ask you this. How many unique squadrons do you normally play with? Well, three. Three. Yeah. But you, you can have a max of four unique squadrons. Yeah. Uh, they, a lot of the time, come with scatter. double brace. Oh, or a scatter brace. Scatter brace. Or, you know, evade brace with axe. Right. Uh, how many times a game just one squadron defense token? Pretty much always. Pretty much always. One of them's accuracy, the other isn't. You right. spend that one. Or it's two braces and you can only spend one. Now or... Luminar is telling you that whenever you're just using squadrons normally, when they spend, you know, that one defense token that they would normally or spend. Or none. Or none. I guess none is also. Yeah, two or fewer than two. If it's spent fewer than two. Oh, Which no. is zero. So if you get double accuracy on a squadron and do some significant damage to it, they still ready a ship's defense token. Oh, my God. Yeah. And also, unique squadron doesn't mean it has to have defense tokens. So if we get like a campaign pack where we get like dagger squadron or rogue squadron, these squadrons that don't have defense tokens inherently, yep, that is just, every time they get shot at. Is every time they just get shot at, you're refreshing defense tokens. So, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane. These, these commanders, or at least the Jedi commanders, seem insane. Yeah, she's insane. Um. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be something I'm going to be experimenting with. And then we have, oh, this was just revealed the other day, Plo Koon. This is the first thing I'm putting on a Venator. Like, day one out of the box, like, I'm stapling him to the Venator. While a friendly squadron is attacking a ship that's at distance one to three of a friendly ship, the attacker can add a blue die set to an accuracy icon to its attack pool. That die cannot be re-rolled or changed. Do you know what guarantees that there's a friendly ship within one to three of the enemy ship? Mm. Rapid launch base. This is the Rapid Launch Base podcast. Thank you for this joining is the us. Rapid launch base. Well, the thing is, Rapid Launch Base, with the changes to Intel, actually has a use now. Right. Because before, you would just run your bombers with an Intel ship, and they would always be able to get on target. Right. Now, your slow bombers, your ARCs, your uh, Anakins, well, Anakin doesn't really care about being tied down, but you can just boost speed three over your opponent's squadrons and then drop them. You yep. don't have to worry about speed five interceptors. Yep. You don't have to worry about shit. The amount of bombers you're taking is significantly less due to that because you just can't fly 10 bombers anymore. They but, just get locked down. But I can with two Venators now. Yeah, don't talk to me about they that. They can rapid launch base no, no, five no. each. No, no, no. Don't go away. Go away, go away. Stop, stop, stop. Oh! <gasps> This is a 10 arcs. I don't even know if 10 arcs will fit. They're too expensive. How much are how much is an arc? Um the the maximum amount of squadrons is 133. No, the maximum amount of squadrons that Republican field, I think, is eleven. But it's not arcs. It's it's not arcs. It is V19s. Let me see. Yeah, because V19s are your cheapest and they're 12. And yeah, it's 11 squadrons is the most okay, well, that any Republic okay, but, but can how much is an arc? An arc is 15. Okay, so you can't run 10, but you can run 8. You can run 8. Okay. But with some of the other upgrade cards, you just need one Venator for that. I mean, I'm not even done with Plo Koon yet, because, like... We're not even done with Plo Koon. I'm let's say you just have five... Let's just say you have five arcs in Plo Koon, right? And you rapid launch base them, uh -huh. right? They're all getting an accuracy, and then probably crit hit, right? Because, hello... Credit, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, that's... That, that by itself is worth the 26 points. Right. That's 10 damage to a ship before the Venator shoots. With the accuracy, so they can't even brace. It's 10 damage. If you lock down the brace every single time, it's... I mean, I don't even know if you would, would be doing that, because like maybe you just want them to fucking spend it so that the Venator shoots and it's not there anymore. But then if you've got... 
uh, let's say clone gunners on the Venator, mm. and then you you steal and then you accuracy that brace again, and then well, it's the dead. ship is gone. The ship is gone. Yeah. yeah. Then it says friendly squad because you're you're describing this scenario, and I'm like, okay, so the ISD is probably dead. That's what I go to. There's mm. nothing else that would for- survive that volley. Right. I don't even know if the ISD would. Well, I mean, a full health ISD like probably would depending on the crits mm-hmm. because it has four shields and then 10 health so like it'll probably survive right but the venator still gets like to, to shoot, shoot yeah. right so it's crazy uh but then it also says friendly oh and you can't re-roll the accuracy it's locked right yeah friendly squadrons without adept gain grit if they're a distance one of a friendly squadron with adept right so if you have a jedi there none of <laughs> all of these arcs are are like it, it basically it, says that all Jedi now have intel. Yeah, the new intel where intel gets grit, but but that that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I because uh, what are the chance? How many of those arcs that you're dropping on the field intentionally in that location are going to be locked down when you rapid launch phase? Obviously, we're all talking about rapid launch phase here, but like this is fine without rapid launch phase as well. This I don't know. Rapid fine. launch phase seems really good. This is fine. <clears throat> the thing with that is, how many times do you have a couple ships, like three enemy squadrons, attacking your huge five arc ball? Now you've got like Luminara or Ahsoka there, so they all have grit. You just have to kill two of them now, yep. and then you can just go yep. back to attacking yep. ships. It's insane. Yeah, and if we have any problem with that, the uh, the Venator. Uh, two has blue black uh black. So right. good. We'll move on from Plocoon because this could be the Plocoon podcast, but <laughs> we're gonna move on to his commander, which is Clone Commander Wolf, who says, "Let's take this up to the next level. Let's push this harder." Right? Squadron command is required to activate him, or Squadron Togen, and it's exhaust. If you exhaust him, up to three squadrons that you activate that don't have a depth, which is your arcs, right? They gain assault. <laughs> Activation. And each squadron that you activate with assault can spend a hit or accuracy no, 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 icon. No. Each squadron that you activate with the printed assault keyword. What's your point? That's He's not, giving them assault. No, no, printed. So arcs don't come with assault. Oh. Nothing comes with assault right now. So that means what? What? We're getting. No, that's not what that means. That's what that means. No, that's not what that means. Okay, no. what does salvo mean? Salvo is printed on there. Right? Oh god, I do not want that. Okay, right here, right here. Okay. Game swarm. Uh-huh. Okay. Each squadron that you activate with a printed assault keyword. And so you're saying that they're putting this card out and one of his bullet points does nothing? Right now. I don't think that's what they're doing. Yes. That's the way that Salvo works. Salvo says you use your printed rear arc armament to avoid things like spinal armament in your Salvo. Okay? What this is saying is, is giving us a little hint. It's saying that lats are coming, and they're, and they're coming this. with assault. Okay? okay? I'm gonna... When you get them, they can spend a die with a hit or accuracy to assault. So your lats are going to be always assaulting 100%. Because <clears throat> right now it's only crits. Right, no, right now it's only hits. Ah. So not 100%. Kanan is the only one that has crit assault, which is amazing. Okay, I'm going to just say that that's correct for now and move forward. Because I don't know if that's what they're doing with this card. Uh, Ahsoka. Okay, six points. Pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Ahsoka, six points. Oh, she's more expensive. Yeah, you're right. Uh, squadron command, each of up to three non-unique squadrons that you activate gain snipe one for each die in their anti-squadron armor up to snipe three until the end of its activation. So she gives three ships snipe three. Because uh, there's, I mean, only the Y wings I think have less than three anti squadron yeah. die, right? So you're not doing this with Y wings. So uh, this is really good. It's so good. Like I would actually say that it's still good on Y wings because then if your Y wings aren't in position to bomb, now they have snipe two yep. and they don't have to engage. Yeah, yeah, she's really good, and she's really good because, and, and you mentioned this to me earlier, is like it gives you the option mm-hmm. of what to do, right? If your D nineteens are tied up with something. You know, maybe the target that they want is a little farther away, and they can ignore escort and snipe it. Yeah, they can 
ignore counter and snipe it, right? Or you can just roll your standard armament if none of that is going to matter this round, right? Like, and you can save your three activations of snipe for someone else, right? I mean, especially if she's on a vendor, you have five activations, dude. Like, you're fine. Yeah. Three of them, you could do snipe if you wanted to not get countered, or you wanted to shoot out of your range, or you wanted to focus on a target that was being escorted. Like, all of those things suddenly become part of your reality. And look, like, let's talk about arcs, because arcs are slow. They want to keep moving. Mm -hmm. They don't want to get tied up. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got three arcs. Now your three arcs have snipe three. They can do some squadron damage while they're mo moving past them. Right. They're moving forward. This Oh, there's, there's some to the right. Snipe three, snipe three, snipe three, right. move forward. Yeah. It's great. They don't have to worry about being engaged or not doing enough damage. It's just do some attacks and then move. Ahsoka is amazing. Yeah. I'm glad because I want to play her, but uh, I don't think her squadron card is that good. So, um. so now we're going to go to the Recusant class. Light Destroyer and Support Destroyer. Back to the set piece. This is my favorite ship of all time. I haven't even played it yet. Don't tell me what I can and can't like. I like this ship so much. It has the most bizarre arcs I've ever seen on a ship. It looks like a disaster submarine. And it's going to play like one, too. Because it's got fucking four black two... Or Two black, four red on the front, three red and a black on the side, and then it's got salvo red black for the light destroyer. And that is so fucking good. I'll just take that. And it's it's great. It's gonna be so good. Uh the light destroyer comes with officer, gunnery team, offensive, ordnance, and turbo laser. That's not so exciting. Um evade brace. Redirect Salvo, that's pretty good. And then it's got uh, triple threes all the way down. Three command, three squadron, three engineering. But it's the support it's the support destroyer that I really like. Why? Really, really like. It replaces a lot of the blacks with blues. Uh, it gets an additional die out the front, I think. No, it just changes some blues. It's got... One of my favorite setups, it's got gunnery teams and double offensive retrofit, which means that you can put boarding troopers and rapid launch bays on it. Mm -hmm. This is a rapid launch base podcast. Yes. Oh, uh, also, uh, these ships are 85 and 90 points. They're super cheap. They are medium base costed. And they're large-ass ships. That's true. I'll take four. And their I really like their defense tokens, too. Mm -hmm. Evade, Brace, Redirect, Salvo. Like, that's so that's good, so right? good. Right? A large base ship with an Evade? Like, get the fuck out of here. I mean, it is a large base, like, type ship, but it's more of a medium base. What do you mean? I mean, the cost, the shields... <sighs> I mean, the hull is eight. I mean, no, no, no. no. Interdictors have eight hull. MC eighties have eight hull. MC eighties have eight hull. Okay. Okay. It's literally like three. Interdictors have nine hull. Medium base. Medium base. <clears throat> Interdictors have three two two. I mean, this just has two extra shields on the sides. But look at the dice. The dice does not scream medium base to me. You might be right. Like an M, like an assault frigate Mark II is like four dice on the side, two on the front. <laughs> like this guy's got a full fistful of dice more than an assault frigate it does. It's it's so good. So let's talk about their commanders. So I think out of all the commanders, this is my favorite, Martuk. Mm. He's twenty eight points, and he says while the friendly ship is attacking, the defending call zone has at least one shield remaining. The attacker adds one red die to the attack pool. Oof. So you're hitting hard right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Before any upgrades add red dye or any uh, concentrate fires, it's like, uh, you are starting the game and now I'm at an advantage. Then he says, while a friendly ship is attacking a ship that has no shields remaining, after rolling attack die, the attacker must cancel one attack die. Die is so good. Let me, let me ask you this. How many times have you destroyed a ship that had 
absolutely no shields left. Sometimes. Sometimes. But a lot of times, no. But a lot of times, no. Like, you completely depleted the rear and the, the far side hull zones of, of shields. No. Now, let's say, how many times have you killed a ship with no shields remaining when you're using XI-7s? Never. Never. Yeah. <clears throat> this guy basically... It's so good! Basically what you're saying is you put XI-7 on your ship and you negate the downside of this exactly. guy. Exactly. Yeah. And then you run um, your recusant with an officer like Shumai. Yeah. So you've got your rerolls. And uh, there you go. Now if the defending hull zone has no shields remaining, you don't get the benefit. You do. The defending hull zone is not what matters. Yes, it is. If the defending hull zone has at least one shield remaining, oh, you can yeah, add yeah. a die. Well, well, Martuk has three states. He has the benefit, the neutral, and then the right. negative. Right. But you're, you're essentially never dealing with the negative. Right. You it's, only go to neutral because how how much fucking damage are you going to do? They, they have no shields anywhere? Right. It's so good. Yeah. That's 28 points to be basically concentrate fire all the time. And then concentrate for a second one. Booster concentrate so good. Yeah, do um This is this is my favorite commander. Roll up with three so. recusants with spinals and concentrate fire and him and they're rolling seven red. Yeah. I mean I don't even have to roll up, I'll just drift away and then like It's like twenty one reds a turn from one arc, right? From one arc, yeah. Yeah. And then they have the weirdest like front arc, so you're gonna get the double arc. It's Oh, it's gonna be so good. Um, I think I think I need three recusants. I'm gonna go hard on this wave, dude. Okay, so the next officer is Hassel Argente. Argente. Uh, he has. Uh, when you reveal a command, you may place a matching command token on this card. Then, if you have at least one of each type on this card, you may gain one additional command dial of your choice for six points. What do you think of this? I thought he was absolute trash, but I was talking to someone about how he works. Because I thought he would only work at turn 5 and 6. But, when you place um, the command token on the 4th turn, he will work. Mm -hmm. So, 4, 5, and 6, you get double command dials. You've got to kind of fix your command uh, dials. So, turns 1 through 4, you're doing... One of each. One of each. It's fine. Passel really emphasizes a certain play style mm. where he says, you do not want to engage on turns one to three. Right. You want to wait. You want to hold back. You want to be going speed one. And then on turns four, five, and six, you get the bonus right. of double command dials. Like if you're running Passel Argente with Trench, you're getting three command dials. <laughs> And, he's and one, of them, one of them is boosted right. from, from Trench. So I don't know if you've played games where you have two command tiles, but it feels so good. Yeah. You do so much damage. You recover all your shields. It's everything. You get to do everything. I think he will be okay. I think he'll be okay. Okay. I'll run him. I'll, I'll see what he does. It's, it's fine. Good. What about Sand Hill? Sand Hill is cool. He's cool, he's cheap. He comes with two squadron uh, command tokens. And at the start of the squadron phase, you may discard any number of tokens on this card. For each token you discard this way, one additional squadron at close long range of you may be activated during each of your fleet's turns to activate squadrons this phase. Right. So if you discard both tokens, then that round of the game, you activate four squadrons per cycle of the yeah. squadron phase. Which is wild. It's a big benefit in the squadron phase to have initiative like that. I think Sandhill is really good. But I think he might be incredible alongside Hyperwave Signal Beast. Yeah. Because, I mean, you slam in everything. Hopefully it all survives. And then on the next round, when everything's already in position to destroy a bunch of squadrons, you just chuck both of Sandhill's uh, tokens away, and you use Hyperwave Signal Boost. And uh, I think on the Providence, that would be four plus the two. Uh, yeah, four, and then... Four. So it would be like eight squadrons that you would activate first. Even if you're second player. Because I believe that Hyperwave Signal Boost happens at the start of the squadron phase. 
which would make it your turn to activate squadrons, yeah. which Sandhill would... So you would do eight all at once, and then you would do four. It's um really powerful, but I, I'm the type of person who's activating my squadrons during the ship phase, in yeah. which case he does nothing. Yes. In which case he does nothing. It's, it's a really particular card, but I don't think he's so costed to where you have to do that to make him useful. Yeah. You can also just do it to where you're activating one more squadron for two rounds of the game, yeah. which is fine. And he's only three points. I mean, if you've got an extra officer slot... It's also a very competitive slot, right? Like It's a super competitive slot, but like, I mean, I would use him. He seems fine. But I mean, you also need like health squadrons. But are you ready to talk about Apolta? I'm ready to talk about the fucking problem, the problem child of this whole wave. This this ship uh, was going to be a single purchase for me, but I think now I need to get two. At least two. It's the, uh, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, they're so cheap, right? They're like forty points. <laughs> 45, 45 43 points, right? They're basically priced not like a, a Pelta from the Rebels, but like a CR 70 or CR 90 from the Rebels, right? Like, yeah. whoa. Like, yeah, so, so there's a medical frigate and the transport frigate, right? And the medical frigate is, um, they're both just like one die less on the front than the rebel pelta right three on the front two on the sides double red though if you could get this guy a salvo would be pretty cool um well doesn't doesn't one come one comes with a defensive retrofit so you can put reactive gunnery on it yep and then it's like yeah the double trans, the double red is one of the best salvos and then the medical frigate has an offensive retrofit and that's basically the only difference between them they both can take the fleet support um and those support teams and the officer slot um now, what they get really interesting, though, is the cards that they bring to the table. So we're going to go through them real quick. Uh, we're going to start with you, Lauren, because this is the one I'm excited about. 24 points. I got Tarkin up there first. I know. I don't care about oh. Tarkin. I care about you, Lauren. Okay. He's the cheapest. Lauren is going to be a huge problem. He's the cheapest Republic commander. At 24 points. When a friendly ship resolves a squadron command, if it's meant a token, it can activate an additional squadron. Okay, so remember your crisis in your brain about the Venator? The Venator with expanded hangar bay can activate how many squadrons? With expanded hangar bay, it can activate seven. Actually, eight with the Ularan. Which, as we've gone over, if you have only V-19s, the maximum amount of squadrons a Republic can have is 11. Mm -hmm. So if you take, like, one ace, you're really at, like, Eight squadrons, mm -hmm. you know? You can activate your entire squadron ball in one punch off of a single Venator with Yularen. Are you trying to tell me that Admiral Yularen is the one punch man? Yes. yes. This is the meme uh, ship. This is the meme ship, where it just takes all eight squadrons and, and throws them at you all at once. This is a problem for me, because the problem with squadrons and... You know, the, the biggest hurdle to overcome is how much damage they can do in small amounts in one round. Yep. In so one he, activation. In one activation. Yeah. So he negates the opportunity for the opponent to activate their ship and use an engineering command to get shields back because they're attacking so many squadrons at once. Right. One, one thing that we've learned, um, you know, with like last firsting as well is... The more damage that you can do between the ship's first activation and second activation, mm -hmm. right, or third and fourth or whatever, in between the activations of a single ship, how much damage can you do? Is like that is how you delete a large ship really easily, right? Anything really easily. It's just large ships are, that's the, hardest just ones, are the hardest ones to kill. But that's not all he does. When a friendly ship, any friendly ship anywhere on the board, there's no range restriction to this, resolves an engineering command, it may spend engineering points on the following. Repair effect, which is called Repair Squadron. Spend two points to choose a friendly squadron at distance one to three. That squadron recovers a hull point. So, on a Pelta with four engineering, right? We talked about this. They have four engineering. He, you know, let's say you have two Peltas, right? You could recover four health on, an, on a squadron that's within medium range of both of them. Well, it would be two and then two. 
No. Yes. Because you take parts resupply. You activate one Pelta. <laughs> you parts resupply. So now, with within the double activation of the Pelta, you're covering actually six hull on a squadron. Or six hull spread out. Right. Over multiple squadrons. Which, it, its restri- restriction is distance one to three, thank God. But this is one of those commanders that is going to be a huge issue to deal with and needs to be addressed whenever you're making lists, whenever you're going somewhere to play a game. You have to think about what if they have Yularen and Ahsoka, Ahsoka Officer. Because the problem with that is now you don't need to throw your squadrons beyond close medium. Right. Because you just keep them close to Yularen, you keep them close to the Peltas, and now Ahsoka allows them, let's say you have B-19s or ARCs, they're within the repair field of 1 to 3. But now they can attack distance 1 to 2 with Snipe from Ahsoka. So now they're, they, they've just got a huge range that they can be safe. You know what's also crazy? What? Using clone nav officer to generate additional tokens on the on let's say one of the peltas has clone nav officer right he's giving squadron tokens to the other ship so now a pelta can activate four squadrons with Yularen. Uh, the the pelta me- metal freight has an offensive retrofit it could do five it could do five yeah but you'd put blue on no you wouldn't because you want to be in range three anyway right you'd put the ability for a single Pelta to a throw forty-five five. point Pelta. Well, at that point, it wouldn't be forty-five. It would be. It would just need to have expanded hangar bay, and it can throw five squadrons. Well, it starts with two. I know, but with a token and expanded hangar bay, that's fifty points for a five oh, squadron five. pushing. That is five with medical for Yeah, but you need what I'm saying with clone nav officer though is like that's generating the additional squadron tokens for you. Yeah. You could put Ahsoka on one and clone Navalcer on the other so that they have the tokens that they need. Just imagine, like, I don't know, that seems really, really good. It does seem really good. I, I think Yularen is super interesting. I think he's extremely strong, but I like the kind of play style that he's emphasizing, where, you know, keep your squadrons close, I'll repair them, but you can push more of them. Uh, the Venator will just be able to push all of them. Yep. Uh, put the medical frigates in if they need to prepare. It's it's very medical cool. frigates can take bomber command center too. Man, fuck off, God! It's gonna be so great. You like like one medical frigate so with bomber command center, the other with parts resupply. It's over. Yep. Uh, I think he's a very interesting commander, though. I think he's very strong for his cost. However, yeah, he's very strong. All right, the other commander is Tarkin, Admiral Tarkin. In his Republic outfit here. At the start of... Oh, he has six... Six command dials on six, him. Six command dials. At the start of each ship phase, you may discard one command... Oh, they're command tokens. Okay. You may discard one command token from this card. If you do, either you gain one matching command dial, or each friendly ship gains a matching command token. Yeah. So the U in this is referring to the ship that Tarkin is on. Right. So you either be greedy, and you take a matching command dial, or... Each friendly ship gains one matching command token. Yes. So. I mean, it's good. It's 30 points. It is fine. It's fine. It's a little flexible. More flexible than Grand Moff Tarkin. Mm -hmm. Because Moff Tarkin is like only tokens. Right. So this is like, hey, if you have one really strong ship, like every round, double dials. Yeah. If you want. Or if you have a bunch of ships, hey, we're getting tokens everywhere. Which is also really good. It's also really good. He just doesn't get me hype like Yularen does. Yularen is a different level. It's... All right, we're going to look at the second meme card here. Captain, clone Captain Silver. Hi-ho, Silver, away. <laughs> when you execute him in an... Oh, so he's an officer and he has a nav token on him. I like the um, uniformity of all of these clone captain cards mm-hmm. and clone commander cards. They always have single tap and they come with a token that allows it to refresh. 
Yeah, they're cool. When you determine or when you execute a maneuver during your determined course step, if you have not resolved the nav command, you may exhaust this card to increase or decrease your speed by up to three. If you do, you cannot resolve a nav command during this activation. So first of all, this doesn't make sense on a Pelta. No, because they can't. Uh, even though it to. came with the Pelta, yeah. um, that's fine. This is actually a card that goes on... Uh, CR70s. Yeah, or, or Venator. Or, or an Acclimator, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the officer slot is super contested. Yeah. I would put him on, like, on a CR70 right. where... You want to go in, you're, you like deploy at speed 4 for the CR-70, you get to the objective, you stop, you, you stop him. Right. Yeah. Really funny card. Yeah, he's just a funny card. <laughs> I don't think it's incredible on any of the current Republic ships. Who um, is Clone Captain Silver's uh, captain? Who is, his I, I, who is his Jedi? I don't know. Who is Clone Captain Silver's Jedi? Can, we, can anybody find this man's Jedi? He, is he is he Windows Windows Jedi? He was on a Pelta class frigate during the Clone Wars, so I guess it makes sense that he's on it. And Mace Windu told him to go back to the medical station and wait for them, so he went very fast. Is this a clone captain without a Jedi? I think he's Mace's Jedi. I don't think. Sad. He doesn't have a Jedi. I think he's Mace's Jedi. Anyway, uh, last card here is Adi Galia. While defending, when you suffer damage from an attack. You may suffer up to one of that damage on the shields of a hold zone adjacent to the hold zone that's defending for each defense token you spent during the spend defense token step. If you do suffer any remaining damage on the defending hold zone, let me tell you something about this. Okay, this is going to take Obi Wan to, the, to next the next level that expert shield techs only dreamed of. Fuck, fuck this card. Yeah. Look, you put this on Obi Wan's ship mm -hmm. with expert shield text. No, that's both officer. Oh, they're both officer. Mm -hmm. Expert shield text is an officer. I thought that was Gunner. No. Okay, that's... so you would take Adigalia over expert shield text? Maybe yes. Maybe yes. Because Adigalia is still taking the damage. She's just moving it. Expert shield text at least deletes it. Maybe. Maybe this is not. Going with Obi-Wan? Does the Republic have any ships that don't have redirects? No. But maybe your redirect is getting blocked? She doesn't care about that. When you use Obi-Wan's redirect, do you still get to redirect? Yes. It's when you expert shield text that you don't get to redirect. Okay. So maybe she is... I guess it's like a different option. I don't know. It seems... Like it weird. gets around XI-7. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Because does XI7 call out redirect specifically? As like, I stop redirect? Let's see. I'll find out. Yeah. XI7 only refers to redirects. So, so this does get around XI7. Which is cool. That is cool. It's like a meta pill. Um, God, I felt like this would go good with expert shield text at the same time, but we need a ship with two officer slots. And then you put Obi-Wan on it. And then you put extra shield text on it, right? So then... But we know that the Venator does not come with two officers like we predicted it would. Did we see both Venators we um, upgrade car upgrade lists? No, because then you would have conceded the double offensive retrofit to me. Oh, that's right. The we Venator haven't two, seen I guess, the Venator 2 yet. Double officer. And double offensive? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think... Especially with the alarm. There's no way that can happen. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, Adigalia. I don't even think that the Venator 2 should come with an offensive retrofit now because of Yolaren. So, you can't take boosted comms on it? No, you can't take expanded hangar bay. But they're Yolaren. the same slot. They're the same slot. That's the thing. What do you mean? I'm not worried about boosted comms. I'm worried about expanded hangar bay. I know, but what I'm telling you. I don't you think is... that the Venator 2 will come with offensive retrofit. All right, you guys heard this cold last take. It's right not going to come with it. It can't. Impact. Look, the Venator 1 has offensive retrofit already. Yeah. It has three squadron, yeah. which means with expanded hangar bay, it's getting to six. With the alarm. With the alarm. Okay. Okay? And you're... You, you can't have a Venator 2 that has five squadron and say, no, nah, this isn't enough. We need eight with the alarm. We do okay? need you, eight, We do need eight. It's in the same wave cycle. So they're, it's not like they're saying, oh, this will be fine. Eight all at once. It will be fine it's, for me. For me, it's not gonna be good. I'm just saying. 
I think Adi Galia is weird. Um, so she's like a good counter to XX Evans is all. It's, it's fine. Well, yes. It essentially says three points, but also, but also like she's kind of almost an advanced projectors. Because let's say that I'm getting shot on my front arc. Well, yeah, because Adigalia, let's say I'm shooting at you with an ISD, with XS7s. Mm -hmm. Adigalia uses her lightsaber to deflect the two two damage to one whole zone. Well, you you brace redirect. So you redirect one on one whole zone. Adigalia, two on the other. There you go. Yeah. And then you take whatever's left on the front. It's good. It is good. Because she can't be accuracy. No, I think... You could even spend your salvo just to make Addy stronger, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I, like, if you were going to spend it anyway, right? I think Addy Galia is good with Obi Wan and or Bale for the engineering. For the engineering to get back the shields, yeah. so that she consistently. Remember when you were like, how many times would a ship run out of shields? <laughs> if Addy Galia is on it, it's probably running out of shields. Probably running out. Of yeah, she seems like a good card. She's cheap, only three points. Yeah. It's, fi- it's fine. I would probably take her over Expert Shield Text. Because, like, if you do take that heavy hit, Expert Shield Text still is only reducing it by one. Then you can't redirect anymore. Right. And now, Adigali, you spread it over three shields. It's- yeah. It's kind of advanced projectors and kind of also countering XI7s, right? Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's a good card. Yeah, it's cool. All right. Well,. Is that is that the show? Is that what we've got? Yep. I think that's it. Alrighty, talk to for now.